Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 80th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is wearable technology for lawyers and other observations from a future lawyer. We are happy to welcome Rick Georges. Rick practices real property, corporations, wills, trust, and estates law in Pinellas County, Florida. He is well known for writing the Future Lawyer blog and describes himself as a lawyer, poet, author, and educator. He has taught many seminars on technology and the law and is the author of Life is Simple, Really, poems about life, loving, family, and fun. Thanks for joining us today, Rick. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Rick, I think wearable tech is a sub- subject of great interest to our listeners. We've, we've all gotten used to, sadly, seeing people appear to talk to themselves on the street as, as they uh, walk in front of vehicles or in elevators while they have conversations via Bluetooth earsets. How can today's uh, connected or perhaps overconnected lawyers benefit from wearable computing like smartwatches and Bluetooth earsets? Well, that's a good question, but first we need to understand that wearable technology is no different for lawyers than it is for the rest of society. Wearable computing, ever since the adoption of Bluetooth, uh, has really become uh, an inevitability. You know, there were people when the telephone was invented that said that, oh my God, that sound coming through your ears is going to cause disease. Uh, There were people in the invention of the automobile that said, if we go faster than 25 miles an hour, we'll die. So every new technology not being understood is going to be feared by some. But the idea that I've always had with my gadget addiction and my, and my law practice is that uh, I want technology to enhance what I do. Uh, I try it all out. If technology doesn't enhance what I do, I throw it away. Wearable computing is the first thing I've really been excited about uh, since the uh, uh, smartphone itself. I am, in fact, doing this interview with the little Jabra uh, stone ear set. I have two of them. i got the version 2 and the version 3. But you just clip this thing on your ear. It's totally not noticeable. Uh, And when you uh, speak, it's as if you are uh, in the room with somebody. The quality is that good. Now, that's connected to the smartphone uh, on my desk. It's plugged in uh, via Bluetooth, which is a short-form wireless communication uh, between computers. Uh, Another thing I'll talk about a little bit later is that all of this wearable computing really uh, is uh, now being called something called the Internet of Things. In effect, all things in the future are going to be connected to the cloud and to each other. Uh, That is the uh, inevitable march of technology, and that's what's going to happen. I'll talk about smartwatches later. Okay, Rick. Well, I'm not sure all the lawyers fully understand how this is going to work, so could you give us a few examples of how you use wearable technology in your day-to-day practice? Sure. I I said that I was wearing two smartwatches, and I do wear two every day. Uh, They've got different bands on them, so they just look like two regular watches. But uh, the reason I do that is that one does things that the other doesn't and vice versa. We're at the dawn of this technology. So the typical lawyer, you know, going through his day, 
the first and biggest use of it for me, along with the earset, is when I'm driving. Uh, I don't text and drive. Uh, I try not to uh, do things that distract me while driving. Having an earset allows me to conduct telephone conversations with my eyes on the road and my hands on the wheel. In the past, however, the smartphone was either in a plugged into the cigarette lighter or it's in a pocket or in the case of uh, uh, she who must be obeyed, it's in her purse. And when you're driving down the road, you can't pull out the phone to talk. Uh, since I'm a solo, I also have to be accessible to clients and courts and, and everybody else all the time, whether I'm sitting in my office desk or not. So the first reason I adopted mobile technology was so that I could practice law wherever I was. And now uh, wearable computers and earsets and uh, watches are enabling me to do that. As an example, I'm driving down the road and I get a phone call. Uh, the phone is in my pocket. I'm not going to stop to take the phone call. I'm not going to pull the thing out of my pocket, obviously, while I'm driving. But the little uh, Gear 2 Neo uh, smart watch on my wrist gently vibrates. Hands on the wheel, I tilt my watch, and I see who it is calling. Since the watch is voice-enabled, I can say reject to kill that call, and it'll send a, pre a pre-canned message or my standard message, and they can leave a message, and I can check back later. If I want to take the call, I say answer, and I actually can make the call while the watch is on my wrist. That obviously enhances my day. I can take client calls. I can do whatever I need to do whether, wherever I am. In the courtroom, since smartphone use is discouraged and uh, we don't want ringing smartphones, the smartwatches and the uh, earset enable us to monitor what's going on in our professional life without bothering anybody. I'm just sitting there with my file waiting for a hearing, and my wrist vibrates. Nobody even knows that. I'm the only one that feels it. But I can see an email. I can see the text of the email. I can see an incoming text. Uh, I can see uh, the who's calling me on the phone. If I can't speak by saying answer or reject, all i got to do is touch the watch and either uh, uh, take the call or send it to messaging. So those are just some of the ways... Again, there's nothing about this technology that's any different than technology we used in the past. It enhances our ability to do what it is we've always done and what we're always going to do. That's my take on it anyway. Well, let me just say that I appreciate the use of the phrase, she who must be obeyed. <laughs> yeah, I call it Swimbo for short. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Well, I've been reading, Rick, about a lot of product announcements for smartwatches that have, have just been released. What, what do you think the best smartwatches available today are? Well, that's a good question. There have been smartwatches now for a couple of years. And the early versions, I try them all. You know, that's just who I am. Uh, lawyers, however, most people are a lot more conservative, and they want to know as much as they can before they make the jump. Sometimes, however, when you don't make the jump, even if a particular piece of technology doesn't do everything that you want, you end up missing the curve. So I think that the latest smartwatches, particularly the LG uh, Live and the Gear Live by Samsung, uh, are really uh, functional enough and pretty enough and slender enough and light enough that they can really enhance any professionals or any person's really uh, life with a smartphone. Uh, unless you really like sitting in one place just like everybody else and holding that smartphone in front of your face, that 
this is the way to go. Uh, basically, it gently reminds you of everything you need to be reminded about, and you choose whether or not to pick up the phone and deal with it. Uh, I also, the ones that I use, uh, on my left hand, I had the Samsung uh, Gear 2 Neo. Uh, I had the original gear with a camera, and I realized you don't really need a camera on your watch. If you are going to take a picture, take out the phone, take a decent picture, focus, frame, etc. But the smartwatch uh, Gear 2 uh, Neo eschews the camera, drops the price 100 bucks. it's like $199, and it has a speaker so that you can actually conduct voice uh, searches and conversations with the watch on your wrist and your phone in your pocket. Literally, you tap a little microphone on the Neo, and uh, you can ask it any question you can ask Google in a natural speaking voice and natural language. Uh, and it will actually speak back the answer to you in like 80% of the time. Uh, very cool. Uh, you know, what was the score in the Rays game last night? And it'll give you all of the stats and everything. But again, the coolest part for me is the ability to know when somebody's calling me, who's calling me with a caller ID, and the ability with my voice to accept or reject the call. Uh, we'll get into the risks of private confidential information getting away later on. I have some opinions on that as well. But those are the two that I prefer right now. Uh, as to the ear sets, I prefer the Jabra line, J-A-B-R-A. Well, I uh, don't see many lawyers wearing smartwatches and don't see many lawyers posting online about any wearable technology. What prompted your strong interest in the subject? <laughs> a whole lot of reasons. One, I'm a maverick. <laughs> uh, I don't like going along with a crowd, which is why I left the Apple people very early on and went to Android. I like open choice. I like choice. Uh, but I've been a gadget junkie since I was a little boy. I used to read... Uh, in the 50s, uh, when I was eight years old, I used to read uh, Superman comics, and I used to read uh, uh, Dick Tracy and all that other stuff. And I just fell in love with that Dick Tracy watch. And I really wanted something like that since I was eight. It's, again, from the, uh, other than the gadget fanaticism, I uh, became a solo uh, very early on, uh, like 1985. And uh, once I realized that me and a secretary uh, against the world was at a disadvantage with current technology, I started looking for ways to get better. And I found the Atari line of early computers. Uh, I went to CPM green screens. I moved on from there to MS-DOS, uh, to the IBM PC. And then I bought the first Toshiba uh, luggable notebook computer. Uh, I remember paying... Uh, uh, $1,000 for a 10-megabyte hard drive and <laughs> my first notebook computer. That's just mind-boggling today. But in any event, my whole idea has been I want to be able to practice law wherever I am in as small a package as possible. And I enjoy playing with gadgets and making them do things that other people can't, and that's where it all comes from. <laughs> well, let's see if we can get you, Rick, to gaze into uh, your tea leaves or your goat entrails or whatever you use to read the future and tell us what you think the future is for these wearable devices. Yeah, the future is limitless for wearable devices, you know, whether we like it or not. Uh, what if you had asked that question of me in uh, 1900 uh, before the telephone became ubiquitous? What if you had asked that question of me uh, when uh, email became invented? I remember attending a bar function in the 80s. Uh, we were having some kind of a committee meeting, and I was always pushing email, email, email. And one guy spoke up, and he said, I have a quill pen, and I'm not changing it. <laughs> I almost fell off my chair because <laughs> this, the technology 
enhances your ability to be productive, and becoming mired in current technology, to me, is just insane. So the future of wearable computing, the future of all computing, is limitless. Now, the Internet of Things, which promises to connect everything and everyone, uh, ultimately means that we're going to wear technology, we're going to have technology implanted in us, we're going to carry it around, we're going to put it in our briefcases, we're going to have it wherever we are, and it's not just going to be computers. It's going to be our refrigerators. It's going to be our thermostats. It is now. Uh, it's going to be our earphones. It's going to be our watches. It's going to be uh, uh, the uh, buckle on our belts. Everything is going to have a chip that will connect it to the Internet for some purpose or another. The wearable computers brings the power of the computer and ultimately the mobile computer, the smartphone, uh, into your field of vision, into your hearing, into your ability to interact with the world. So, the short answer to your question, the future is impossible to, to define. It's limitless. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of judges objected to mobile phones in the courtroom because of interruptions, and then that became a big problem as lawyers have started keeping their calendars on their smartphones. Do you see any other uh, downsides to lawyers using this type of mobile technology? Well, I don't think that's a downside. I think that's an education problem. I think that's a problem with educating the judges as to uh, what can be done with these little devices. Uh, they don't have to wait for a lawyer to call his secretary back at the office from a payphone in the hallway to find out whether or not he's going to be available on a particular date. It's also a matter of educating the lawyers not to be rude. I mean, it's just a matter of courtesy, really. Uh, that, uh, you know, making, making uh, client appointments in a Starbucks and saying out loud the client's confidential secrets, that's how lawyers get in trouble. Uh, it's not the fact that they met in a Starbucks. It's the fact that the guy was stupid. Uh, by the same token, uh, wearing a watch and talking to it within the hearing of someone else is stupid if, if you're talking about confidential stuff. So it's a matter of education. It's just a matter of uh, letting the judges know what the technology can do. And for instance, uh, email. When I started fighting for email back in the 80s, who knew that today in Florida you cannot file a pleading or a motion in almost all of the courts of this state without doing it online, electronically, via email, okay? So you can't take a piece of paper down to the courthouse and file it manually. That kind of thing is what the courts just have to learn about. The judges have to learn. The lawyers have to. We all have to learn. We all have to learn how to adapt the, the technology that's coming to what we're doing today as lawyers, I mean, it's really that simple. So, yeah, there are risks, but the risks are no different than the risks of, uh, of someone stealing your mail in 1985. They're no greater than the risks of someone uh, saying something out loud in a crowded room that they shouldn't be saying. Uh, the risks are different because it's different technology, but the ultimate risk is the same. It's humans. It always is. Stupid is as stupid does, as Forrest Gump told us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rick, let us pause for a commercial break, and we'll be right back. 
Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is wearable technology for lawyers and other observations from a future lawyer. And our guest is Rick Georges, long known for his future lawyer blog postings and someone who has devoted a lot of attention to lawyers using wearable technology. Rick, before the break, we talked a little bit about the downsides of wearable technology, uh, which seems like it's almost all that there are humans wearing it. Um, but we have all heard the horror stories of lawyers discussing confidential matters in public. I certainly have on mobile phones or, or being overheard on trains or in the subway. Um, do you think that, I'm, I'm guessing your answer is no, but do you believe more wearable technology increases the risks of exposing client confidences? Um, or at least do you have any tips to guard against that risk? Well, sure, I've got tips, but it has nothing to do with the wearable technology. The wearable technology, as we discussed earlier, is not the problem. It's the humans using it that are the problem. Uh, in fact, clueless lawyers and evil people are always going to be with us, and that they're going to contribute to the problem. The, in fact, I think wearable technology is going to increase privacy, and I'll tell you why. Uh, first example is when I am in my car all alone and I'm using a uh, ear set and I'm using two smartwatches to keep in touch with my professional life, uh, I've got my eyes on the road and uh, uh, I am concentrating on what needs to be done and I, there's nobody else there to hear me. Now, can evil people intercept uh, email and telephone communications? Sure, so can the NSA. But... Uh, when we began the email revolution and people said, is email secure? Uh, what I and people like me said, well, is it secure to put your confidential information on a flimsy piece of paper, put it in a flimsy envelope and put it into a box next to the post office? Is that secure? So security is really a matter of the people. It's a matter of keeping your wits about you. It's a matter of using the technology properly. Again, where the watches, I, the smart watches actually, in my view, are a lot more secure because they lessen the temptation to pick up the phone and start talking in a crowd. Uh, in effect, you can just tap the phone, look at it, scroll, read your email, read your text, and so forth. And uh, while evil people can always intercept uh, Bluetooth communications, they can also tap phone lines. Uh, they can also intercept uh, uh, wireless communications. That more is more a matter not of changing the laws, it's a matter of enforcement. Again, lawyers uh, can violate client confidentiality sitting in a Starbucks. They don't need a wearable computer to do it. I've heard these kinds of concerns for years. In fact, data is safer in the cloud, as we're now finding out. Would you rather have your data on an unprotected server in your law office or on paper in a file cabinet in your law office? Or would you rather have it uh, with uh, WPA encryption uh, on a cloud server with backup, with redundancies. Uh, when the telephone was invented, we were afraid of it. When cars were invented, we were afraid of them. Uh, it's really not a matter of the technology. 
Let's shift gears for a moment and talk about your blog, Future Lawyer, which is uh, certainly must-reading for people interested in these types of issues. I know you primarily talk about technology tools that you use and other lawyers can use, but do you have any thoughts about the future of our profession generally and how the increasing use of technology by lawyers and our clients will impact our profession's future? I have a lot of views on that. Some of them are not popular. I'd have to say, ultimately, coming back to the Internet of Things, that I think that this technology is going to be a part of our lives, and we better learn how to deal with it. As lawyers, we're usually behind the curve when it comes to adopting new systems or new technologies. Uh, part of that comes from our training. We're trained as lawyers to follow precedent. We're trained as lawyers that uh, decisions by judges are going to follow similar fact patterns that have been decided in the past. Uh, so our whole profession is geared towards not changing things. And so when somebody like me comes along and says, you got to put this thing in your ear, you got to put it on your wrist, or it will enhance your life if you uh, access your data through a device, uh, our first inclination sometimes is, no, 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 everything's working fine. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. My view on all of this is that if I'm going to be dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st and 22nd centuries, I want to go there with an open mind with the ability to follow technology wherever it leads me and to enhance my real life, which I consider my family life and my recreational life. When I say that life is simple, really it is. You know, if you don't have a balance in it, what good is it? Uh, I don't want to be on my deathbed worrying about that stuff. So that's why I blog. I blog to help other lawyers see the things that I see when I see technology. And I see different things because I've been living with it for so many more years. Well, I'm going to go on to another question, but but Rick, I just want to say I, I know you would want me to uh, mention that when, when you were referencing WPA, I know you meant WPA2, which is the one that hasn't been cracked. <laughs> yes, correctly. But I don't know, you know, they're all going to be cracked. I don't think it makes any difference. I frankly would rather... I'd rather leave that to Sensei and uh, its engineers. There you go. As you know, Rick, Jim and I both speak uh, and write a lot about the future of the legal profession and technology. And there are still a lot of lawyers who are not just a bit, but very technophobic and slow to adopt new technology. I'm wondering whether you think wearable tech will be just another challenge for these guys, or do you think that somehow the fact that it's something they're wearing will make it easier for them to adopt? That's a good question. I think that uh, it will be easier to adopt, whether they will. I am a little cynical on this issue, uh, primarily because of conversations like the Quill Pen guy back in the 80s. There is a real, and those kinds of problems, by the way, the resistance to change are magnified in a large firm environment. Uh, because in all big institutional organizations, there is a real, a real powerful pressure to keep things the same, but more than that, to be safe, to play it safe. Uh, one of the reasons I'm a solo is that I don't want to have a meeting if I feel like buying, as I did today at lunch, a, uh, an extended uh, router. Uh, I uh, got up this morning and I said, you know what, I want to connect that big screen out in the library, and it's too far away from my router. So lunch, I got up, I drove to the office supply store, Staples up here, Paid 60 bucks, bought a, uh, a uh, Wi-Fi extender. I came back, plumbed it in the wall, pressed the WPS button, and bingo, I have an extended uh, Wi-Fi. If I were in a big firm, what would I have to do to get that done? 
and uh, that's why I'm a solo. That's why I like technology, and I think that I'll, I think that lawyers will come around. I think that the uh, the fact that uh, there are a lot more solos going out bodes well for the solo and small firm. Uh, and I'm different from some of the pundits that say the solo and small firm is dead. Well, I'll end this very interesting interview with a softball question. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your blog, what the uh, content will be in the near future, and why they should follow your postings? Okay, well, other than being about gadgets and how to practice law better with technology, I don't know what it's going to be about, because I don't know from day to day. I get up at 5.30 in the morning, I sit in front of the computer, and and I uh, examine the world and via the web, and if something interests me, I'll sit there and I'll write a blog post about it. It's really that simple. I try not to be a law blog. I try to be a blog written by a lawyer, if that makes it any clearer. Uh, but the blog, by the way, is futurelawyer.com, and you can find it at uh, www.futurelawyer.com, futurelawyer.com, futurelawyer.net. You can find it anywhere. Just use futurelawyer. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty simple. Um, Rick, this has been very colorful. Uh, you're always colorful. It's been very enlightening, and I'm sure that all of our listeners, whether they're into all this wearable technology or, or not, they're going to find the subject fascinating and, and be interested to hear what you have to say. So thank you for taking time out to uh, join us today. I really appreciate the invitation. You don't ever have to invite me to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all of the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to the Digital Edge. Produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.